This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Everybody, welcome back. It is not an audio mirage. No, thy enemy has returned from... Dane Draper, just an oppressively long bye week. We are your first, not only, but we know you're your primary source for all opponent-related knowledge for the Florida State Seminoles. Dane, how are you doing, man? I missed you. We, I, I guess, we, I guess we did talk over the bye week on that big old uh, family get-together roundtable, but it wasn't enough. True, very true, Trey. It wasn't enough. I miss you too, but I'm doing pretty well, and I hope you're doing well too. I could tell because that 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 very stoic tone of your voice, it just raised an octave when you said you missed me. Very imperceptible, but <laughs> there was some real emotion in there, man. I heard it, so I appreciate that, Dane. Very good. Very good. So Florida State, back at home. A nooner. First one of the year, I believe, against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, Dane. Georgia Tech just isn't a very good team. They are 3-4 and four on the year. Uh, they've actually surprisingly been two and one since they fired their old head coach Frodo Baggins, and have played a little bit harder for the interim head coach Brent Key. Um, to me, the story of this game is just Georgia Tech is very inept on offense. In those seven games that they played, they have just <laughs> twelve touchdowns the entire year. Not great. They're averaging sixteen point one points per game. That's one hundred twenty fifth in the nation. Their defense is, I think, serviceable, uh, but they're very aggressive. And I would think to check out on more of the scheme stuff, as always, Noel Dianemy is very personnel-focused. If you want to check the scheme stuff, go to Knowles247.com. Kevin Little did a wonderful preview, as he always does, kind of going uh, about the scheme-related stuff, the type of strategies that Georgia Tech likes to employ on both sides of the ball. Their defense is kind of average. They're allowing 26.3 points per game, 68th in the nation, but they're very aggressive. They blitz a lot. Uh, They also generate a lot of turnovers. They've got nine interceptions on the year, 17th in the nation. Um, A couple of guys, their safety, their linebacker have two, and they've also forced eight fumbles, recovered seven of those. Uh, So they create a lot of havoc. So I I think Florida State, and we'll get to it, is going to handle them pretty easily. If it does get a little dicey and weird, it could be because of the turnover margin, something that Mike Norvell has talked about multiple times. Florida State's defense is having a huge problem generating takeaways right now. Georgia Tech's, that, that's one of the things that they're good at. As far as some other stats, I think we'll start offense first. Their opponents have recorded uh, 26 sacks against them, and that that's about 3.7 per game, 125th in the nation, so... Fabian Lovett's back, and even if he's not, this could be a game where Florida State's defensive line really eats, as Noel fans are aware of, uh, because we've seen it ourselves. GT sucks at third down conversions. They're 122nd in the nation and 130th in the nation on fourth down. So they've just it's just a really bad offense, Dane. What do you what are your initial thoughts of both of those sides of the ball for Georgia Tech? Uh yeah, it's definitely better on Definitely better on defense. I think specifically their pass defense is actually pretty good. 
um, and then run defensively, like efficiency wise or like success rate specifically, they're actually very poor. It's 117th in the country and, and mm. defensive rushing success rate. Um, but they're not that bad on, from a passing standpoint at all. They have some, they have some talent in the back end, but offensively, man, Oof. yeah, a total mess. I mean, I'm, I was looking through stats to, to include in here and it's, pretty impressive how bad they are at times i feel like and that was like with sims um i mean okay so the the percentage of drives georgia tech goes without converting any first down so basically three and out but includes like uh you know failing fourth down conversions that kind of thing not just three and punt but really three and out mm-hmm. is is 41.8 percent of their drives stop which is, dude it's no 124th way. It's the 124th nationally, and if you uh, and that was with Sims, that was not including the last game with UVA, where they had uh, Zach Gibson playing. But if you just take the game with Zach Gibson, it was it was 53.3 percent of the drives in that game they did not convert a first down, and even um so they have basically no ability to drive the ball ever. But even when they do and they get into the red zone, they're 130th nationally in in scoring touchdowns when they're in the red zone 29 percent of drives they get into the red zone they don't score a touchdown or they do score a touchdown excuse me just really uh, really poor uh, i know you guys can't see this this isn't a video format my jaw is in my lap right now that is all like a coin half the time three and out so that's good florida state's defense has had a little bit of trouble getting people off the field if they can't do it against georgia tech then we've got real issues now, it's, it's interesting that Georgia Tech's offense is so bad because they do have some components, at least when Jeff Sims was healthy, to be a really good running offense. They have a very talented running back. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, Jeff Sims is a very athletic quarterback, but like Kevin said in his video, they're, they're committed. They, they run the ball less than 50% of the time, and they're committed to passing the ball with a quarterback in Jeff Sims who has flashes of brilliance, but most of the time is very, very inaccurate. So let's talk about let's talk about that quarterback situation because Sims is banged up. He played in every game for Georgia Tech this season. We don't know his status. If he is healthy, he is a uh, 220 pounds, six foot four. Florida State fans are f- intimately familiar with Jeff because he was committed to us. He's completing a he's got a 58.5 percent completion percentage, 150 uh, no 1115 passing yards. That's a hundredth in the nation. Five passing touchdowns, 116th in the nation. So five passing touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, that's really gross. And he might not even be able to play. So what do you think? What do you think, Dane? Is Jeff going to play? If Jeff plays, what kind of offense is Georgia Tech going to run? And then if he doesn't play, talk about the primary quarterback, Zach Gibson. Just talk about this whole Georgia Tech uh, quarterback situation, which seems yeah. to be quite a nightmare. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know if Jeff Sims is going to play. The coach did say that he he practiced in full pads Wednesday, which I think is definitely worth noting because I assumed he probably wasn't going to play before that. Um, the coach also said though that he expects to see a combination of all three quarterbacks playing at different points in the game, which Ooh. is super weird. And that third quarterback would be uh, Zach Pyron, I think, so you pronounce it. He's a true freshman though. He's a low four star recruit. Um, as a true freshman, decent athleticism, as uh, at least an average arm. That's just notes from his 24-7 profile. But none of these guys are in a great spot to succeed, I don't think, with this 
in the offense they're in and just with their own ability, I don't think. Um, yeah, I mean, Sims' best ability, best attribute by a mile is his, is his rushing ability, like design runs, specifically design runs, because I want to get into how he's not great. He doesn't have, like, great escape ability. Some stats for that, too. But, um, but on a bum angle, I don't think that rushing ability is going to be utilized as well as it could, uh, even if he is available. And Zach Gibson, he was 10 of 25 last week against Virginia, who doesn't have a great defense. Not a no, bad defense. Really. They're bad too. That, yeah, that game, they're terrible, that, but they're not horrible defensively. That was the definition of a movable object versus a very <laughs> resistible force. It was just two of the worst things ever combating each other on Thursday night football. Um, so, what? And it, it's a good point you bring up with Jeff. But most of those are on design runs. He's, he's actually second on the team, 288 rushing yards, 87 attempts, which seems like a lot, 3.3 yards per rush, so not crazy. He can be effective, specifically if they employ that zone read game. But is that what – so, Dane, number one, we don't think that Sims has great escapability. Number two, do you think that comment from Brett Key is actually gamesmanship, or do you really think we're going to see three quarterbacks in the game? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Ooh, good. Okay, so intrigue for everybody. Very insightful here. Um, but him, I don't know if he would say that if, I, if if he expected Jim Sims to be like a full go. I don't think you really say that. No, I don't, I don't think you think say so you expect to see the, the freshman to play. Um, but I could be wrong there. Who knows? I just don't think it matters a whole lot either. I think no. for FSU's sake, Jeff Sims playing would be worst case because he has a comfortability and understanding the offense but he's his best ability is going to be hindered and he's not a great passer as it is he's not very consistent at all like you mentioned um talking about his escapability like i was talking about um so yeah he's a good rushing threat but so georgia tech is pressured on this is before the gibson injury i got these stats or before the sims injury i got these stats before they played uva but they're pressured on 34.6 percent of dropbacks which is really bad that's 96 in the country um but he's sacked jeff sims is sacked on 10 percent of dropbacks which is 116th nationally he's been sacked 19 times um so oh wow okay so he's sacked even more than he's pressured basically right yeah and so naturally you'd think he's not great at evading that pressure and i think with his physical ability that kind of says even more so like you would expect him to be to maybe yeah. excel in that if anything um and in a comparison like with fsu and jordan travis fsu is actually pressured on 38 percent of dropbacks which is 116th nationally that's more than georgia tech that's really poor yeah. um but they're only sacked that he's only sacked on 4.1 percent of dropbacks which is 32nd nationally so jordan travis is actually like tremendous at evading evading pressure and not getting sacked but he has that physical ability to where he can do that and jeff sims i would think does also he's just not he's not there i thought that was interesting no that's very that's very illuminating let me let me clear up what i said you obviously can't be sacked more than you're pressured because every pressure so so that's not what i meant i guess what i meant is basically what your point illustrated is that Jeff is Jeff is probably actually worse at evading pressure and not turning the turning those pressures into sacks than even an average quarterback would be. Exactly. And you see what the stats look like when an elite quarterback with that skill, Jordan Travis, that huge disparity. Normally you don't you don't see it the other way with an athletic quarterback. So we think no matter who plays quarterback for Georgia Tech, they're screwed because their offense was bad even with a healthy Jeff. So that doesn't matter. That's going to be a minus. 
I think a plus of Georgia Tech, and Dane, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe the biggest plus is the play of their running back, Hassan Hall. Tell me about Hassan Hall. Do you think he's the most talented guy on this offense? And just give me your thoughts of the Georgia Tech running game. Yeah, I don't know if he's the most talented on the offense. He probably is, yeah. I mean, he's clearly the top running back for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have Jeff Sims in the backfield, it helps you out a little. But 73 rushes, 372 yards. Um, with Jeff Sims, you mentioned he, he leads the team in rushes, but that's really because uh, in college you include sacks as rushes, and he's been sacked 19 times. Ah. So on design rushes, Paul does lead the team. And, again, you take away the yards as well when you're sacked. So Sims actually leads the team in rushing too, um, but Hall is second there. Uh, he's 73 rushes, 372 yards, 5.1 a carry for Hall. Um, it, kind of a weird note. Uh, he's second on the team in receptions with 17, so they target him a lot. Um, but he only has 88 yards receiving on the year. He has a 25% success rate when targeted on the year. So Oof. they like to throw the running backs a lot. Doesn't work a ton of the time, especially with Hall. But yeah, no, he's a talented player. He's a really good returner as well, kickoff returner. And yeah transfer from Louisville. It's been kind of a known commodity for a few years, but definitely one of the more talented players they have. I'd say so. That's accessory being targeted out of the backfield. And and that's, that's very interesting to me that with such a low success rate, they would keep doing it. And it's something that teams like NC state have had, uh, they've had success with Florida state in the past as Kevin highlighted on his video, because there have been communications between our cornerbacks and our linebackers, as far as carrying over and switching men and things like that, where we've had a few open wheel routes on the sideline. I'd like Florida state to, to clean that up this week so that we don't give them an easy out for this offense where they can't really do anything. Um, that's, that's such a low success rate target and running backs out of the backfield. It's just, it's just an offense that, can't really do anything right. So now we've talked about quarterback, we've talked about running back. Anybody to note from the wide receivers is the offensive the offensive line based on the, the sack statistics, they're terrible too. I mean, what else is there to talk about this offense, Dane? It feels <laughs> like a pretty easy night for Adam Fuller and his squad. I agree, yeah. And I think they probably do target the running back so much because they struggle so much on the offensive line. Um and, and going back to the whole point with being pressured to sack, all that stuff, against UVA, so Jeff Sims was bad, right? But against UVA, uh, Georgia Tech was pressured 48% of dropbacks with, with Gibson back there. That's so horrible. Right. Um, and he was sacked on 18% of those dropbacks, which is, I don't have where that would rank nationally, but probably last, um, probably <laughs> easily last, honestly. Yeah, by a lot, right? Yeah. And they were also blitzed against UVA they were blitzed the least of any game all season and oh, they still my have those goodness. oh my goodness so your sack basically tw- out of every five dropbacks it's a sack out of every four you're getting pressured on two of them and they didn't even blitz you that was just with UVA's defensive line man if you get yeah. love it back if you get verse like a more healthy verse after a bye week this could be a really nice confidence building game for this entire unit yeah I yeah I think that's the story of the whole game I think there's there's almost you don't have to talk about too much more past that because that should be such a massive discrepancy. And then those units, the Georgia Tech offensive line, the def, the Florida State defensive line, and in that 
Georgia Tech offensive line, it's it's really young. The oldest guy on that offensive line is a third-year player. He's a redshirt sophomore. It's Pierce Quick, but he's also a first-year transfer. And he was oh my. a guy that I know of the Florida State staff passed up on pretty easily. Um, I think he transferred from Alabama. I don't have that written down, but if I remember in the transfer portal, it was, he was an Alabama guy that didn't pan out. But everyone else on offensive line, everyone that's starting is a second-year player. Just super young. Apparently not a ton of talent, probably, and they're definitely struggling. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Pierce Quick definitely sounds like an Alabama transfer. I'm thinking Frat Shag. I'm thinking he definitely could have been on that old MTV show Two-A-Days about Hoover, Alabama. That definitely sounds like an Alabama transfer to me. Uh, and it sounds like it, it Adam Fuller's never got a shutout at Florida State, to my knowledge. I don't know if he's going to get one against a conference opponent, but, man, it would be nice. It would be nice to get your first one with Jeff Sims out, man. It, it seems like the um, <laughs> the opportunities are lining up for this to be a very good night for Adam Fuller's defense. Now let's move on to the other side of the ball because we do think, uh, and it's not just by default that Georgia Tech has a better defense than they do in offense. They have a very, they, they have a very havoc-producing defense like he said with a pretty well coached secondary that's got a knack for turning the ball over so if anything's gonna swing the momentum in Georgia Tech's favor especially in a, in a noon game where the environments are normally depressed it could be that so let's talk about Georgia Tech's defense Dane do you want to start from the secondary to the front or from the front to the back your choice um let's do let's do back to the front let's do uh the secondary first I think I have a few more notes on that, I guess. I think they're more talented there outside of their linebacking unit. Let's hold up for one second because in my haste to just stop talking about Georgia Tech's offense, I felt a little bad for him. You mentioned in the in the pre-show notes uh, some, a couple notes about their wide receivers. That could be, if they're successful, Florida State's corners have had a rough go of it. So let's before we get onto the defense, talk about their wide receivers first, Mitch. Uh, sure. Um. So they have three wide receivers that play like a huge majority of the snaps. I think it's like, it's like weird. I mean, I noted how big the discrepancy is between the three wide receivers, between Nate McCollum, EJ Jenkins and Malachi Carter to all their other wide receivers. Those three guys play like almost all the time. It seems Um, Nate McCollum, I think is the most talented guy in that room. He is also the youngest guy in the room. He's, he's a a pretty good third year player for them. Uh, His role has increased every year. He, he leads the team in receptions by a lot with 34. Like I mentioned with Hassan Hall, he had 17 receptions, which is second on the team. McCollum has 34. Oh, wow. Um, so obviously double that for 30, 345 yards, which isn't a ton, but in this room it is. <laughs> this um, often sucks, so it's it, not that bad. Exactly. Yeah, he has the highest PFF grade in the wide receiver room too. He has um, – and in oh, the highest – Do you know what it is? Uh, 68. Okay. And so, he, eh, eh. right, right. Nothing special, but that's above yeah. average. That'll do. Right, right. And it's the highest grade on the offense too, outside of, outside of Hassan Hall and one other running back. I think it was uh, Dante Smith. Okay. But he's a smaller guy. He's someone they'll target a lot. They like to get him the ball any way they can. I've seen him take a lot of jet sweeps, screens, that sort of thing. And then EJ Jenkins. Is another guy definitely worth noting. He kind of reminds me of Johnny Wilson when he came in. E.J. Jenkins is a redshirt senior. He's been around a long time, and he's – I don't know if he's regressed, but he's he struggled to stay healthy in the past years. But, like, in, in 2019, he was super productive. He had over 700 yards receiving. 
He had 13 touchdowns in 2019. He's kind of a touchdown machine, but he struggled to stay healthy. Uh, he's an elite run blocker. He's an 88.6 run blocking grade. I forgot Oof. to mention, by the way, the most notable thing about him. He's 6'7", 243 pounds. That's why he reminds me of Johnny Wilson. I was going to say, I was waiting for the height and weight. I was going to let you get to it naturally, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a big boy. Absolutely, yeah. So big red zone threat, great blocker. What you'd expect, I guess, with a guy that's capable at that at that size. Um, he still leads the team in receiving touchdowns this year, too, uh, with two touchdowns. <laughs> Again, this, this offense is really bad. It's, yeah. It's, it's, the stats are comical. Yeah, I want to hype up these guys and point out how they can succeed and where they'll be used, but I, it's just it's unlikely that they'll be used very successfully against anyone, apparently. And yeah. FSU's defense is probably in a better spot than they've been in a while. Um, but he has 11 catches, 160 yards in the year. Just not super productive, but he's one of those top three. Malachi Carter is the last one. He's second on the team in receiving yards um, with 201 behind McCollum, 13 catches on the year. Just they're worth noting because they play so much. It's the main three wide receivers this team has, but like just not a ton going on offensively at all. And then on tight ends with tight ends, you have Dylan Leonard and Luke Benson. They base a lot. They base out of 11 personnel. um, So one tight end, but both of them have played like exactly the same amount all year. um, And neither are very good. Uh, They're also not targeted much in the passing game. Leonard has eight catches. Benson has five. Neither player has scored a touchdown this year. Um, yeah, not great, but no, but that's, it's that's of, the offense. It's one of those <laughs> deals too, where you're, you're going through strife at quarterback. Maybe you take a, maybe there's some, there's good. They're obviously going to dial up some trick plays. You take a kid like McCollum, like you said, a very productive slot guy, can run the ball, jet sweeps, reverses, things like that. Try to get on the perimeter and and run and get and get the edge with that six seven dominating run blocker wide receiver. There are ways that. Georgia Tech can maybe sparingly hurt Florida State, but it's this has got to be a game where your defense really leads the way, I think. It really does, and they're not going to have a better opportunity for it on the back half of the schedule besides uh, Lafayette. So moving on to the other side of the ball, just want to get that through for just to, for thoroughness, but let's talk about the Georgia Tech secondary. What do you see there? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I think the guy that sticks out the most, uh, Miles Car- Brooks, I think he's probably the most talented player on that entire defense. He's a, a third-year player, safety, former four-star recruit from Jacksonville. And he's playing his best ball right now in the back half of this year or season that we've played so far. He's been grading out super well by PFF. I think he's like an 86 grade on the season. And uh, year over year, he's gotten better. He's a guy I know Zach likes a lot, too. Out of high school, he liked him a lot. Um, but he's a really good cover guy, 6'2 frame. Just a really good safety. Someone to look out for. He'll be playing um, up high for them. Uh, you have other DBs. They have a generally pretty big secondary, like the two starting cornerbacks I play seemingly all the time. They have a ton of snaps. Samari Walton and Miles Sims are both 6'3". 
Um, and they're both pretty good too, uh, especially by PFF standards. They're, they're graded pretty well. Um, they have a freshman playing a lot in the absence of Jalen King. Jalen King was another former four-star safety uh, for them, but he's out for the season with an injury as of a couple weeks ago. And Clayton Powell-Lee is a true freshman playing in his absence. He's stepping up. He's graded pretty well, too. But uh, I think that's somewhere you could potentially attack in the passing game, just being a true freshman. And, uh, yeah, that's m- biggest notes in the secondary. In the, uh, the linebacking unit, Ayinde Ile. That sounds good to me. And if not – like that? Yeah, that's good enough, man. I was reading that. I was like, this could this could tie up old Mr. Draper. And it would have week one, but week eight, you're I don't know, dude. You're Rosetta Stone. You're perfect, man. That pronunciation is fantastic, no matter what the country of origin. Fantastic job. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Ile and, and Charlie Thomas, they man the middle of that defense. Those are the two like uh, I guess star linebackers. They're really just they stand out and they're they're stats uh because they tackle so much they're just tackling machines like thomas is has 61 tackles in the year elay has 71 the second highest behind those guys the third most on the team is is keon white with 33 so these guys just really rack it up um elay to your point uh, uh, also being sure-handed tacklers elay's got what three and a half sacks on the team which is second on the entire team he's 6'3 233 uh, Charlie Thomas has seven and a half tackles for loss and a sack. These are guys that uh, Thomas has a pair of interceptions, so he's tied for the team lead. So it's that second and third level, man. Very active guys that that could cause some havoc. Hopefully, Florida State's we can confuse them with the scheme. Mike Norvell can be multiple like he was against Clemson, and maybe get those linebackers flown in the opposite direction, take advantage of it because those are pretty two productive units. The second and third level. Definitely, yeah. They just fly around the ball. Um, secondary, I think a lot of people are having these linebackers to be like some of the best in the ACC. That may be the truth, but I just think the secondary is a little underrated. I think they're pretty talented units, honestly. Um, in pass defense, when we're talking about that, they're definitely a better pass defense unit than rush defense. So I think that that shows through there, too. Dane, what were those stats on the run? The, they give up a lot of run efficiency, right? Which would be right. nice because Florida State, we've hit a lot of explosives in the running game, but we've also had a pretty high stuff rate. It would be nice to see, in addition to those 25 and 40-yard runs, to get a bunch of consistent, you know, four to six ones as well so we have more manageable second and thirds. Do you think we could do that against this Georgia Tech rush defense? Yeah, I think it's the perfect defense to do it against. They give up 45 – well, I'll say they have the 117th uh, – ranked rushing success rate defense so that's down on down or down to down like you're Mm -hmm. saying staying efficient those are your four or five yards of carry type of deal and they're really bad at giving that up i think that's probably why the linebackers have such crazy tackling numbers the the front lets them through um and the linebackers just clean it up every time for you know five yards whatever it is but that's where you look to attack them for sure. I think that's where you'll most efficiently attack them. And then you can work off that, work the passing game off that probably. Is that due to a defensive line lacking in talent, lacking in size, lacking in coaching? What do you see from the Georgia Tech defensive line before we get uh, before we talk about this game in totality? Yeah, um, 
probably just not the most talented unit. I mean, they grade kind of well on on PFF to be honest, but they they can't be that great to. No, those to total have stats are abysmal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Keon White, I think, is the most notable guy on the defensive line to me. He's a six five, two hundred eighty six pound defensive defensive end. He's just a really big dude. Uh, he leads the team in sacks as well uh, with with four. So not a huge number, but he leads the team there. He grades really well as a run defender. He's an 82 run grade on PFF. And he's third on the team in tackles with 33. But not just not a ton, not a ton of talent. Nothing that should shut down FSU, I'll say. No, and and with the normal way that they play, as pointed out by Kev's video, they're very aggressive and they blitz a lot. And if you remember, if you recall against LSU, LSU tried to attack Florida State in a similar fashion. They blitz a lot, tried to put a lot of pressure on Jordan Travis, and he responded by making great throws. Now, I think where Florida State's offense is kind of sputtered in the middle of the year is teams saying, like, hey, we've got the defensive line to stop you with six in the box and dropping a lot of people back and making those thrown windows a lot more compressed for Jordan. I thought that he's be, we've sputtered out a little bit when teams have done that. So I think that's an underrated storyline for fans to watch. Georgia Tech going to attack you like they always do, or are they going to do something different for Florida State, make it easier to attack through the air? I don't know if they can, if they're giving up those kind of rushing success rates. They're, they're really in a bind, even with a more talented, havoc-producing, takeover-heavy defense. I mean, so – Things to watch, how Georgia Tech decides to play Florida State's offense. Uh, Dane, anything else before we get to the prediction, which I know it's been a week. Uh, You probably forget that I ask you this since you forget every week, but you will have to give a prediction. So if you have one in your head, cool. But if not, kill some time talking about anything else you want to talk about before I make you say yours. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll ramble off some other stuff because I don't have one. Um, I <laughs> How? We're eight weeks in. We're the bye week. You've got to be kidding me. It's, yeah, I'll come up with it in the moment. I don't know. It's All right, spontaneous. Let it ride. I but, don't want to ruin the magic. Go ahead. Yeah, um, it's. I think it's just. I think it's just a poor matchup. Like talent to talent, yeah, it's a poor matchup for Georgia Tech. But I think it's just especially poor between these teams with where their strengths are. Like. Georgia Tech's offensive line to FSU's finally more healthy defensive line is just such a poor matchup for them, I think. And uh, and and also FSU's ability to like to limit explosives, I think that really helps them out because you're going to make Georgia Tech drive on you, and that's something they just they probably aren't going to do well at all. If they were to score, in all likelihood, it would be probably through explosives because they're going to be outmatched generally on that side of the ball. And FSU does a great job of limiting that. Um, and Georgia Tech is a really poor run defense, as we talked about too, and uh, and that's something that Florida State is particularly good at. So those three things are really the keys to why FSU definitely should not lose this game to me. And uh, and I think I'm ready to make a prediction now. Oh, that was good. You know what? And you actually stalled for time by saying things that were valuable. So once again, man, you're just an actual. You're just a pros pro. But, Dan, go ahead. Give me your prediction. What do you think? Florida State, Georgia Tech this Saturday at noon. I'm going to say 35 to 10. 35 to 10. I like that. I like that. I'm going to say 34. No, that's two field goals. I still don't know. Um, I can't do the same one as you. I'm going to do 31 to 9 an extremely comfortable victory. And I think that Georgia tech 
may get like a like a, a fluke field goal because of a short field because of like a turnover. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be a very comfortable, controlled game for Florida State. Uh, a potential to be like a BC game where it's a massive blowout, especially if everybody comes out healthy. Uh, I could easily see Florida State scoring over 40 in this one. Um, I think Clemson put up 41 against him in the first game of the season. I could see Florida State matching that output, then maybe going on cruise control and getting some of the younger guys in and having some of those dudes that, that may be on snap counts rest and get them ready for the game after. But I, I, I'm with you, Dane. If it's, not a, if it's not a comfortable victory for Florida State, um, I'm not really going to be looking forward to that instant reaction that it will be on Saturday. But I'm not worried yeah. about it because we're going to win and we're going to win big. Isn't that right, Daner? I agree. Yeah, I think if you – if you really struggle with this team, I think that's definitely more alarming than the last three losses. But guess what? Not going to happen, so I'm not exactly. worried about it. Absolutely. Positive vibes only on Noel by enemy. Well, listen, for the ever-knowledgeable, the ever-prepared, especially to give his prediction, Dane Draper, I am your host, Trey Rowland. Another sparkling edition of Noel Thy Enemy. Be sure to be subscribed to Noel's 24-7, all the YouTubes, all the podcasts, everything that you can be for the best, most comprehensive in-game, out-of-game recruiting coverage in the entire FSU beat. Love you guys. Keep chopping. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.